You are listening to a Commonwealth Bank of Australia Global Economics and Markets Research Podcast. This podcast is not investment research and nor does it purport to make any recommendations. Rather, this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not rely not to be relied upon for any investment purposes. You are advised to read the full Global and Economics and Markets Research Disclaimers, which can be found at www.combankresearch.com.au. Hello there. My name is Dennis Vosnesensky, Associate Director of Agri and Sustainability at CBA. And today I'm joined by my colleague, John O, uh, as we wade through all the things grains related following the release of our Agri Weekly called Seeds of Disruption on the 23rd of January, which is today. How's it going, John? Yeah, Dennis, uh, it's going well. Uh, the morning's gone really fast. It's approaching lunchtime. Um, so it's one of those days in the office today. How about you, Dennis? How are you? Yeah, all good on my end. I'm uh, slightly regretting getting a uh, breakfast burger from a local roadhouse uh, because I was in a rush to work. Uh, so not the not the best decision I've ever made, but it is what it is. Uh, it's funnily enough again raining this week as we record this podcast, uh, just like it was last week when, when I recorded this podcast with Joe. I was looking at the rainfall totals, something I've actually summarized in our latest report. Uh, rainfall totals for January so far around Australia. And my goodness, there's been a lot on the East Coast, especially in New South Wales and Victoria. If you look at a place like Parks in New South Wales, almost 150 millimetres since the start of the year. Shepparton in Victoria, 100, uh, over 100 millimetres. And uh, in terms of comparing its averages, more than double in those areas. So it's, uh, it's, it's been quite significant. But let's not, uh, if I can use the term, get bogged down uh, in all the talk about rain. There's a lot happening globally uh, this week. Uh, that we need to cover. The report, as I said before, is called Seeds of Disruption, uh, and that's for a reason. We have another disruptive factor impacting grain markets uh, at the moment, uh, the Houthi attacks. Yeah, Dennis, why don't you cover for us the what, the where, and the why first on these Houthi attacks? Yeah, so towards the end of last year, we saw we saw Hamas attack uh, and, a, and a Hamas attack on Israel. Israel retaliated, uh, and then we saw the Houthis in support of, of Hamas uh, start attacking Israeli flagged vessels uh, that quickly turned from just Israeli vessels to Western vessels. They claimed at one point that they're not going to uh, shoot any, again, this is vessels, sorry, moving through the Red Sea towards the Suez Canal. They said that they're not going to shoot any uh, Chinese or Russian vessels. Um, around the same time, there was a Russian oil vessel hit. They also said they're not going to hit anything except for container vessels, or at least that was the assumption in the market in the very beginning. Now we're starting to see uh, for oil seeds, and we'll go into that uh, in, a, in a second, for grains and oil seeds, uh, the WTO, the World Trade Organization, and ca came out and said back in December, if you look at the likes of Russia, Ukraine, and Europe, and their shipments to Asia and Eastern Africa, uh, around 8% was going not through the Suez Canal. Uh, it was going around, for example, Africa. Uh, now that number has increased to around 42%. So vessels are a lot more cautious about going through that uh, Suez Canal and Red Sea area in fears of being attacked. So that is the crux of it. Around 12% of global trade goes through the Suez Canal. It has in the past. So it's a big deal. Uh, and it's just another one of those factors, in addition to the Panama Canal issues, in addition to the war in Ukraine, it's just another one of those factors that's disrupting the global grains industry. Yeah. And Dennis, so what's the impact of all of this on grains and oil seeds, in particular on Australian farmers? So if we look at particularly on uh, what the impact is on Australian farmers. Well, let's take canola. On average, there's a five-year average between 2017, 2022 of canola exports. 
73% went to Europe and the vast majority would have had to go through the Suez Canal. Right. So we send a very significant quantity of our canola to Europe. And our two main competitors would be Ukraine and Canada, and they don't need to go through the Suez Canal. So we automatically become less competitive, assuming this continues to go on. And for example, shippers of canola may not want to go through the Suez Canal and risk it or pay that massive insurance premium. Instead, they'll have to go around the Horn of Africa, so around Southern Africa and then towards Europe. Uh, I'm not a freight analyst, but from what I've been reading, anywhere from 10 to 20 days extra time it takes to move around there. Uh, and of course, there's an associated cost with that. So for canola, it's not good. For wheat, barley, and pulses, it's actually a positive, uh, or it, it, we're yet to see, but it's likely to be a positive because it means less coming from the Black Sea into Asia. Uh, and that means we become more competitive because we're closer and we don't have to go through the Suez Canal to get to Asia. Uh, so it's, it's mixed depending on what, you, what we're selling, for wheat, barley, pulses, maybe a positive for canola. If this doesn't change, if the Houthi attacks continue, not a positive. Apart from the issues in the Red Sea, what else are we seeing? Like what's happening in wheat markets? So wheat markets, uh, if you look at global wheat markets, up around 2% uh, uh, on the week as of January 22. So as, as of yesterday, um, the main reasons have been reduced area, uh, winter area in the EU and US. In Europe, especially in France, you saw very wet conditions of planting. Uh, and now you're also, well, the question usually is if there was reduced area at at planting time because of rains, okay, not good for the area, but is it actually good for yields? Uh, so it may the yields may compensate having planted less wheat. Uh, but from the people I've been speaking to on the ground, they're saying it's just so damp that it's not actually going to translate to better wheat yields. There's more issues for the actual growth uh, of plants. The USDA in, their, uh, in, in a report on the 12th of January also released that they will see reduced winter wheat planting, uh, and that's also supportive of pricing. One important thing to watch is that seasonal conditions in the US, especially uh, winter wheat growing areas overall, is actually looking more positive compared to tw the start of 2023 when you look at the drought monitor maps. Uh, local prices down very marginally uh, as of the 22nd of January. I think I saw on average across port zones was like 0.4 of a percent down. Again, it differs depending on whether you're in Kunan or Newcastle, but that is the average decline. Uh, largely, it's because the local premium that we trade to compared to global levels, that's been going down. So like I talked about in the previous podcast, for a while, we've been we've been trading at a significant premium to overseas levels for our wheat. That's been declining, and it's continued to decline over the last week as seasonal conditions uh, continue to improve or stay improved. Uh, and of course, in WA, we're all aware that it, it is still uh, significantly dry. So I thought I'd just note it there. Yeah, and how about um, what's happening in the barley market? On the barley markets, uh, down again very marginally, about one percent locally uh, on average across the port zones. Uh, there's two things pressuring global feed grain prices. So we'll, we'll put the local issue, the local supply prospects for the year to one side, and we'll just talk about what are the global factors that may be suppressing pricing. Well, one is that there's less concerns over South American corn production at the moment. It, it looks like the picture overall is a bit more positive. Uh, on the other side, uh, another factor that's suppressing global feed prices, including barley, uh, is that in China, we've seen 
reducing demand as economic activity slows. And we've also seen hog prices down, live hog prices down around 30, 30, 30 plus percent since the peaks of September last year. Uh, as a result of declining margins for livestock producers, hog numbers are also down. Uh, I was looking at the latest release of data from Oil World, and they were saying that hog numbers in China were about 4% lower in January 2024 compared to January 2023. Um, we saw the Chinese government buying up pork for reserves to kind of support local prices, uh, but that's had little support, uh, little uh, positive impact so far on both pork uh, and, and hogs. Um, imports were very strong towards the end of 2023, so there's optimism that that'll continue, but just with these sort of numbers coming out it, in terms of demand, it just the feeling is in the market is that demand is going to start declining as we move through 2024. Uh, and, and the real concern is, and something we have to watch is, well, if those imports were strong in late 2023, as the government maybe stocked up a little bit on whether it's wheat or corn or barley or soybeans, uh, what happens when that stockpiling demand kind of, uh, when that stockpiling demand eases off and the livestock demand, the demand from the feed sector hasn't picked up yet. So that's something we really have to watch. And uh, how about the canola markets? Is that uh, any different developments this week? So if you look at Matif rapeseed, so their version in, in Europe of canola, it's up around 2.4%. Uh, as much as I can gather, uh, partially I think it's due to, one, geopolitics creating more risks in the market. Uh, that's probably more impacting all grains and oil seeds. But particularly for canola, if it's going to be more of a struggle to get Australian canola uh, to Europe uh, because of the issues in the Suez Canal and the Red Sea. That would, of course, be uh, supportive of canola pricing as well. I think it will be a good time to wrap up, Dennis. It looks like there are two important things to look out for. One, the developments in the Suez Canal and what that's doing to freight movement. And then secondly, looking to China, what the demand is going to be looking like this year. Um, anything you want to add? Oh, look, in the report itself, we go into a lot more depth. We talk about everything from the change in used cooking oil imports into Europe and what that means for the likes of canola. We talk about what's happening to uh, crop production prospects in different parts of the world. So if you are a client of uh, CBA, please go on www.combankresearch.com.au, download the report. If you don't have a login yet, contact your manager and ask for them to do it for you to sign you up. Uh, also, be sure to follow this podcast, so sign up to it, uh, and reach out also uh, if you have any questions. Uh, you can find me on on my email, dennis.vosnesensky at cba.com.au. You can find me on LinkedIn and on X or Twitter as well.